0: Well, good evening everybody, welcome to Bible study. Glad you're here. Good to see you tonight. Good to see you. Yeah, that was your cue to be nice to me. Thank you. Thanks for jumping right on that. Appreciate it. Yes, welcome to the underground. Take a few moments to pray. God's blessing our time, then we'll get right to the Bible study. See what God has to say to us tonight. So let's pray, Father. Thanks for uh, just uh, a moving of Your Holy Spirit. I pray that we'd be open, we'd be open to the the wind, the breeze, the currents of Your Holy Spirit tonight. Responding to what You want to say and what You want to do in our midst. I ask God that our hearts be open, our minds eyes and ears to be open to receive all that you have for us and I pray God that we would be a part of that we'd put our find our place in the midst of what you're doing here in this place tonight God the revelation that you're bringing the understanding that you're bringing God to really put our hand to what you're saying and what you want to do in us before we leave this place I just ask you that we respond to you I pray, God, that we would allow you to move in our hearts, our lives. I pray, God, that we would allow you to do what you want to do in us and change us, God. We, we've come here for a reason, uh, not just to hear something we want to hear, but we've come here to be changed by you, to be changed by your Holy Spirit, to be changed in your presence. i give you thanks tonight. We ask, God, that you would move in our midst. I pray your anointing on the teaching. I ask God that we would receive all that you have. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. Reminder uh, for our podcast listeners that we have an interactive feature with Bible Study, and that is through a website at www.speakpipe.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You go there to that webpage, and there's a button that you can toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And we'd love to hear from you. could be just saying hi. Or maybe you have a question about Bible study, or maybe you have a comment, or you just want to tell us where you're from. But we'd love to hear from you. It could be something good God's doing in your life. So drop us a line, uh, leave us a message, and we'll endeavor to play that at our next Bible study. Gospel of Mark, Chapter 1. Gospel of Mark one of my personal favorites of the Gospels if you're allowed to have a personal favorite of the Gospels. If you are, then it's what it's probably my favorite one. Cause it, I don't know. Because Mark is just right to business. Uh, he does you know, no know nothing fancy in Mark, just here's what it is. Here's Jesus. Here's what he's up to. That's all you need. And so there's some things about Mark that are kind of interesting and some things that uh, are aren't included in Mark that were included in some of the other Gospels. If you read Matthew or Luke, you might see some things that, or even John, that you would you don't see in Mark because he didn't include it. Uh, one thing that's not included that's included in Matthew and Luke that's not in Mark. Anybody know what I'm going to say? An obvious one, right from the start. Well, there's no genealogy. True. What else? What is that, Matty? Yeah, he doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus at all. He just gets down to business. Yeah, the uh, birth of Jesus not in there. Um, there's a bunch of stuff not in there. And there's there's certain miracles not in there. Certain uh, There's only a few parables that are actually told in the book of Mark. Lots of parables in the other Gospels, but not in, in Mark. And, and so there's a bunch of stuff in Mark or not in Mark, that you find other places, but there's also stuff in Mark that you find in it that you don't find anywhere else. And we're going to look at one of those things tonight that you find in the Gospel of Mark, but you don't find this so much in the other places and in the other Gospels. And and so I want to emphasize some of that because uh, I think it's important, and I think that we're given these different Gospels and that they vary, And that's important for us to understand the story. Uh, We have witnesses. We have a testimony of witnesses that saw Jesus, heard Jesus, were around Jesus, interviewed people that spent time with them, who people who've been in his presence, and they all have something to say, and they all add something to the story of Jesus. And so we don't just take one gospel and look at that and say, well, that tells the whole story. It doesn't. Then another gospel. Well, that tells it. It doesn't. That even if you combine all four of them, you see what all of them have to say. You still don't have the whole story. I mean, Gospel of John, he even says that if all the works of Jesus, all the words of Jesus were written down, it'd fill all the libraries of the world. There's just too much to write down. There was too much to describe. There was too much to to put on the paper. And so, uh, we have what we have. But part of what we have, part of the fullness of what we have, has to do with the different Gospels, has to do with different writers, has to do with their different purposes, has to do with what they emphasize. One did, one didn't. One said, one didn't say. Why is this important? This is important to him, not important to him. Well, it's all important to us. And so I want to look at some of that as we look through this. And so what we're going to look at tonight, Mark 1 and verse 41. Mark 1, 41. And when you get a chance, I'd like somebody to read that aloud, please. Jesus was indifferent. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. All right, thanks. And so what you see here is a parable that is within a miracle. Uh, like I said, Mark didn't really have a lot of straight-up parables. What are parables? They're stories that Jesus would tell. And so there were lessons within the story. Well, in this miracle, there's a parable within the miracle. In other words, there's a story in this miracle that teaches us something. And so being able to look at something not only as just, okay, this is an account of something that actually happened, because this was an account of something that actually happened. Being able to look at something as more than just an account of what happened, because there's some detail in here that just didn't need to be there necessarily. If all we need to know is that Jesus healed a leper, that that pretty much says it, right? Jesus healed the leper. But we have other details in this account for a reason. And I want to look at some of the reasons behind why we have the story that's being told here of Jesus and this leper, and what that story means to us, and, and, and the depth of meaning that that story has for us and what that story can teach us. Now, interestingly, when Jesus speaks, his word, God's word, is the signature of his divinity. In other words, God speaks and what happens when God speaks? It is, right. All things are. How did he create the heavens and the earth? He spoke. He spoke and all things are. And in the subtlety of that, which I've pointed out a number of times, and I think I've pointed out in the foundational teachings, a subtlety of that, and in understanding that, is that God's word is not creative. In other words, He doesn't speak and something happens. He speaks and it is. So His words are creative. They're, they're, they're not. Uh, they are creation. All right, is what I'm trying to say. And so He speaks. It is. He doesn't speak and something happens or there's some mechanism by which something happens. It's just He speaks. It says, let there be light. What happens? Light. light. Alright. So so you look at the Word and, and, and that's why the Bible talks about in the prophets, it says, you know, God's Word does not return void. Well, it can't. When God speaks, something is. There's no void anymore. That's how He filled... the the heavens and the earth that's how he filled the universe was by speaking i mean there was nothing missing out of the universe he was i'm sure it was there who knows how long it was god and god that was it right and then one day he spoke and he in the in the heavens and the earth were well for however billions of years before that he was perfectly fine with that but, and, but somehow, some way, one day, for his own reasons that he only knows about, he spoke, and all things are. And so the heavens, the earth, and all the stars and the galaxies and everything was created. All these things were created, and all of that they just they are, as he spoke, and so he just continues to speak. His Word, you look at the Word, and every seed bearing seed after their own kind, every tree, every fruit bearing seed after its own kind. Well, that continues to happen to this day. Why? Because it it is. It is. That's the signature of God, is Him speaking. It's done. It is. That's the case. And so... We need to keep that in mind when we're looking at uh, the way this is described. We're looking at the story behind this. Now, one of the things that Mark emphasizes, one of the things that he emphasizes is touch. He places a prominence on touch. And you see that throughout the Gospel of Mark when it comes to Jesus. Now, you don't necessarily see that everywhere else. Right? And there's not as much of an emphasis that's being made. And that's kind of curious, right? you got a gospel that's kind of bare boned you got a gospel that doesn't even include all the stories that are in the other gospels. you got a gospel that doesn't include all the teachings that are in the other gospels. you got a gospel that doesn't, doesn't have all of the lessons that are in the other gospels. And yet, the time is taken in the Gospel of Mark to emphasize and put a premium on and to bring the prominence Jesus touching people, like physically touching people. And so there's an emphasis in Mark on touch uh, of that kind of connection. And what the God, what this, this little story tells us is it, it's a pattern for us, and there's a bunch of parts of it that are a pattern for us. What does it mean to be indignant? It could be. Disgusted. Disgusted. What else? Offended. Offended. I'm indignant. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So, you think about it. Now, (laughs) Kim read out of, I believe, a New King James Version. Is what she read that passage out of. And in the word that's used there, it says, And Jesus was what? indignant. What were you reading out of? I don't know what you're reading out oh, I'm sorry, Jeannie. What did you read out of? It is an IV. Okay. So what does anybody else have a word there? Moved to the pity. Anybody else? Huh? Compassion, right? All right. So what, what are the words we got so far describing the mood of Jesus? What was it? compassion yeah all right so i want you to just hold that thought for a second but it says that he was moved with something now a lot of times when we think about god and you can think of this the way you want to think about this but a lot of times when we think about god we think about him sharing and teaching and speaking in order to convey some information. Right? You think about, okay, well, he's gonna reveal something about the kingdom. So he's gonna tell us something. And so we see Jesus telling us stuff all the time. Like, okay, this is information you need, so here it is. Take notes. Or this is information you need, I'm gonna take to give you a little revelation about God, so take some notes. And and everything has some kind of a purpose behind it like that. Like, this is why Jesus speaks. This is how Jesus speaks. But you have an example here of Jesus being moved by something that He sees or something that is in His presence. Okay. And whether you see that as indignant or you see that as compassion or you see that as pity or you see that as whatever you want to see that as, it doesn't matter to me. The fact of the matter was is that something happened around Jesus. Right? In this case, it was a man with leprosy. And that man with leprosy moved on him. He had an emotional, listen to me, an emotional reaction to that man or something that happened to that man or something that was going on around him. He had an emotional reaction to that and he responded to the emotion That was in him. What that tells us is, is that God responds. Because it's revealing the heart of God to us. This is revealing the heart of God and how God sometimes just responds that it's not just calculated. And it's not just, oh, He's going to convey some information. Or, or, or this, is, you know, this is revelation. Or there's got to be some bigger purpose behind this in, in whatever the grand scheme of God that you have in your head of why Jesus might speak to you. Well, maybe He's just speaking because He's moved by pity. Or maybe He's just speaking because He's moved by compassion or love. Or maybe he's speaking because he's indignant about something. But the fact that God responds emotionally is important for us to understand if we're really going to understand His heart. You really want to know God. You really do. You really want to know who He is. You really want to get a hold of His heart. Like David, a man after God's own heart. But then we have to understand that sometimes He just responds out of emotion. And it's okay. He responds out of pity. He responds out of compassion. He responds out of indignant... I mean, what, what happened when He cleansed the temple? How did Jesus respond there? Out of what? Anger. Anger. But it's an emotional response. But that's the God we serve. And the reason that makes sense is that we're created in His image. We're created in His image. So we're like Him. I mean, you understand what I mean by that? And so there's basic reactions, there's basic things in us, there's there's basic responses in us that we have inherited from Him. But that's what we need to see if we're going to understand His heart. If we're going to get a hold of His heart. You look at Jesus... And you look at this kind of a response, I mean, just moved with compassion. Moved with pity. Moved with being indignant. Whatever it is that you see that, or you understand that, but the the touch, his touch is connected with the miraculous. And him moving in whatever that emotion is, and understanding His heart like that, and understanding the heart of God connects us with the miraculous. We can't look at our interaction with Jesus as some kind of a weird mechanical thing, because it's not. We can't look at the way God communicates with His people as some mechanically predictable thing, because it's not. The way that Jesus chooses to communicate and the way that Jesus chooses to move among His people and the way that that God chooses to respond to His people has something to do with more than just some mechanical response or prescribed response. It's not a prescribed response. It's not a mechanical response. But it has to do with emotion and it has to do with life and it has to do with living and it has to do with His heart, how He responds. David seemed to understand that. I mean, he indicated that more than once, that he understood the heart of God. And he understood that that's where he wanted to be. You know, we, we've looked at this story before, but when David's son, when, when God was going to take the life of his son, all right, David just prayed right through to the very end until the boy was dead. Why? Because he knew God's heart and God might respond to him. God might respond to his cries. God might respond to his emotional outbursts. You don't know. God might respond to him seeking him. God might respond to what David was doing. And he was going to go right to the very end. God still did what he said he was going to do. But you notice David, he, he took it right to the end, didn't he? Because he understood the heart of God. When he was given a choice, when he got in trouble because he did something God told him not to do, and God gave him three choices, and one was to fall into the hands of men, one was to fall into plague or whatever, one was to do whatever it was. You know, his response to that is, I want to put myself into the hands of God because I know His mercy is great. Because he understood his heart. He didn't want to be in the hands of men. He didn't want to be in the hands of anybody except for God. And the point of that is is that as we begin to understand the heart of God, as we begin to understand the compassion of God, the love of God, the response of God, it draws us closer to that. We don't want to be anywhere else. That brings us in tight to the miraculous. That brings us in tight to the supernatural. That brings us in tight to who God is. Because we don't want to be anywhere else. Because that's the safest place to be. You need, you need got some needs need to get met. The safest place, the best place to be is as close to God as you could possibly be. That's the best place to see your needs met. You're messed up in the head. You're not doing good mentally. You're not doing well emotionally, whatever it is. The best possible position that you can find yourself in is as close to God as you can get. And, and what's weird about that is when people don't feel like they're 100%, they try to run away from God or hide. That's exactly what you don't want to do. Because your best shot at health, your best shot at feeling better, your best shot at something happening miraculously in your life, your best shot at being healed or delivered, your best shot of anything that's going to matter actually taking place in your life is to be as close to God as you possibly can. That's your best shot. And running away, running away negates what God wants to do in the, through your life, it begins to negate the miraculous, the supernatural. And so Mark, he delights to dwell on Jesus' touch. I mean, he, he just dwells on it. I'll give you a few examples from the Gospel of Mark if you want. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, it talks about how P- you know, uh, Jesus lifted up Peter's mother-in-law Bible says he, he reached out and he lifted her up physically and that she was healed of her fever in that moment. Here in this passage, this is a leper. You're supposed to touch lepers? No, it was against the law, actually. That was against the Mosaic law touch a leper. But he reaches out and he touches this leper. Right? So that's another one. Another one, there's a a, a, a girl that's dead. You're supposed to touch dead people? No, it makes you unclean. It makes you unclean to touch dead people. What did he do? He put his hand right on her forehead, raised her from the dead. See, he touched her. He touched her. Even when he was uh, in in his village, and and there were not a lot of faith. It says there were only a few that were healed among them. The sick people that were healed. It says he touched them, and they were healed. Even when it wasn't, you know, all awesome and everything going great, he still touched people and they were still healed. He put his fingers according to Mark, he put his fingers in deaf people's ears. What's inside the ear? Anybody know? Wax. Yeah. Yucky. I don't like to put my finger in somebody's ear. Right, he put his fingers in somebody's ears so they could hear. Now he couldn't speak. What'd he do? Spit on his finger and touched his spit to the guy's tongue with his finger. He touched the guy's tongue after he spit on it. You see how Mark really likes Jesus touching people? You see, understand what I'm saying? I mean, because there's some of these stories. You don't see these stories anywhere else, but he's really emphasizing the fact that Jesus was unafraid to touch people. He was unafraid. And, and God was using him to touch people and to see them healed. I mean, and what what really uh, strikes me about this passage, if you read it there, it talks about how he was moved with compassion it says he reached out. Jesus reaches out. The leper doesn't reach out. The leper knew he wasn't supposed to touch anybody. It's against the rules. That's against the law. But Jesus reaches out, he reaches out to the leper. He initiates, he takes the first step, he makes the first move, and he touches him. But it's Jesus reaching out to do that. Do you see Jesus that way? You should. Because this is revealing the heart of God. What? He makes the move. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Oh yeah, we can quote the Bible verse, but is it in our head? that he's the initiator? He's the one that's actually making the move? You got the leper. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, I need your help. Whatever. Jesus, move with compassion. Jesus reaches out. Jesus initiates the contact. Jesus puts his hand on him. Jesus touches him. And he is unafraid to do so. Jesus is unafraid to touch the sick. Yeah. Well, that means you. You. That means me. What do I mean by sick? I don't know. There wasn't much else that disgusting than the leprosy. People didn't want to touch lepers. It was against the law to touch lepers. Why? Because it's disgusting. Because their skin gets all messed up. they got festering sores all over their skin. Parts of their bodies fall off. It's a disgusting thing. And yet Jesus initiates contact with that leper and touches him. Well, you've got to see yourself differently. all right. If every time you mess up, you run and hide from God, you've got to begin to see yourself differently. Because as disgusting as you probably are, who knows, you're not as disgusting as the leper that he reaches out and touches here in Mark chapter 1. I mean, I don't know. All I'm telling you is you're not too disgusting for Jesus to initiate the contact, reach out, and touch you, and bring healing into your life. And the closer you can get yourself to Him, the better. If you're running and hiding every time you mess up, you're missing the compassion, you're missing the grace, you're missing the love that Jesus wants to pour into your life. You're missing it. You're negating that in your life for no reason. This leper, he, he had every reason to run away. Every reason. Everybody agreed that leper is disgusting. Everybody. Everybody knew. They had to yell ahead of them, you know, unclean. They had to call themselves unclean publicly, yelling that out loud so that people would know they were coming so they could spread and the lepers could get to where they needed to go without getting anywhere near anybody, touching anybody. If you didn't want to look at a leper, they were calling out unclean so you didn't have to look at them. That's how dirty and how disgusting the lepers were. Yeah, here's Jesus reaching out, reaching out, initiating the contact and touching Him. He can handle you. He can handle you. Whatever your issue is. Body, soul, or spirit, He can handle you. He can handle whatever it is you think makes you dirty. He can handle whatever you think makes you unclean. He can handle whatever you think separates you from Him. He can handle whatever that is. He can handle that. And he still initiates and he still touches you. Stop running away. Stop negating the grace of God, the love of Jesus in your life. Because his love is so big. His love is so full. And, and, and that's the reason we have this account, is that we understand that. I mean, it, it's an account of what they would have considered to be the nastiest and most disgusting of people alive he's like, there he is, touching that guy. Loving that guy. Bringing healing to that guy. He is unafraid of dirt. He is unafraid of disease. And and we have to begin to understand Jesus differently. Differently. That he's not just coming because he wants to tell us something. Or to convey some kind of instruction to us. He's not just coming because He just wants to tell us something we don't know or bring some kind of revelation. But we really have to understand that sometimes He just wants to be with us. Sometimes He just wants to love us. Sometimes He just wants to pour love into our lives. Sometimes He just wants to, to, to bring clarity or whatever it is or, or to bring peace or to bring joy or to bring whatever it would be that we need in our life. He just wants to respond to something that's going on in us. We don't have to, like, you know, create an appointment every time Jesus is coming to visit. Oh, better better get the good china out. Jesus is coming. No. It doesn't work that way. So, he then says, he makes this statement. And he's already demonstrated this. But he makes a statement to the leper. He's like, I'm willing. That that seem positive? It does to me. Uh, he makes this statement. He says, I am willing. I am willing. And, and I want you to think, that in terms of the miraculous, I want you to think, in terms of him loving us, I want you to think in terms of Him touching you and wherever you're at, touching your life, touching you, touching your body, touching your soul, your spirit. I just want you to think in terms of that, because He wants to connect. He desires it. That's His heart. And so as we begin to understand His heart, we begin to understand that the miraculous is an act of will. It's an act of His will in our lives, that He wants to do the miraculous, but He also gives us the opportunity to do the miraculous too. And, and I'm only going to step out of this for a couple of times but, during this teaching, but I want to step out of this right now. And that is this, you, Jesus said, you've seen the things I've done, you'll do even greater. Well, we need His heart, right? I mean, really? Like, we, we need a heart of compassion, he needs heart of love. He some pity sometimes, but it's his heart to initiate that contact. It's his heart to to put his hand onto that. It's his heart to let the miraculous flow. He's willing. Are we? I have laid my hands on, and anybody that's ever been to Africa with me, you have laid your hands on some disgusting people, man. And I'm, not just, and I'm not just ripping on Africa. I mean, anywhere we've been in developing countries and stuff, I mean, you lay your hands on, by our standards, pretty disgusting situations. I'm just telling you, yeah, that's what it is. And I'm not, and I, like I said, I'm not, make, I'm not trying to draw out one thing or the other. It just came to mind. Because, I mean, you, know, you get around little kids, right? And little kids anywhere in the world are dirty. Okay, their hands are dirty. Because they put their hands in their mouth, and they put their hands on their butt, and they put their hands wherever they put their hands. Everywhere. Yeah, and if you've had a little kids, you understand what I'm talking about. But they get whatever's on their hands is on their hands, and then they reach out their hand and touch you where? Your on your face. They love touching you on your I'm face. On your, your face, right? They just just get a hold of it, right? And and you know whatever, and you take their hand, and you got that on your hand, whatever. Get over it. You need to get over it. Because the heart of God is a lot bigger than that, man. (laughs) A lot bigger than that. A lot bigger. A lot bigger than whatever it is that you're afraid of. A lot bigger than your phobias. A lot bigger than your, your germ fears. A lot bigger than your sickness fears. A lot bigger than whatever it is that is in your head about stuff. All right and and, like I said, if you've ever been around with me, you see you're gonna get dirty laying hands on people and and but you know what, I've seen some of the biggest miracles I've ever seen on some of the dirtiest people you ever want to see, whether that means deliverance or whether that means a leg growing right in front of your very eyes, or whether that whatever that means that's what that is, but that's where the miraculous is. The miraculous is in touch. The miraculous is in our will. That miraculous is in our connection to the heart of God. That's where it is. And Jesus, I mean, he looked at this guy with the with the leprosy and he just said, I'm willing. I'm willing. Yeah, one of the first years that we were in Senegal, we laid hands on a guy who lived in the bush. He had bugs crawling everywhere. And that, that sounds like an exaggeration. It's not. He had bugs crawling everywhere. We laid hands on that guy. He came right out of the bush. Right out. Laid hands on him. And there was a miraculous deliverance that took place over that guy's life. That over the years that we were there, we saw progressively that guy get more and more and more of the light of Jesus in his life. To the point, it affected his family and it affected the people that were around him. But you know where it started? Are you willing? Are you willing? You willing to love somebody? You willing? You willing to show the heart of God? You willing to touch somebody nobody wants to touch? You willing to put your hands on somebody that nobody wants to even get near? You willing? Because we're going to connect ourselves to the miraculous. We begin to see that. I mean, the revelation of the love of God. Really, if you, if you really want a revelation of the love of God, the revelation of the love of God, you need to get you need to open your eyes and see how Jesus loves you, and that's the revelation of the love of God. You need to open your eyes and see how Jesus is loving you. That's the best revelation you'll ever get. And I know people, you they look, they look at me like, oh, well, you know, we need some kind of meat on that one. We need some kind of structure on that. Yeah, there's no greater structure, no greater meat on anything than what you've experienced yourself. Because there ain't no denying that. I've experienced that kind of love. I've felt that kind of love. I've seen that kind of love. I've been touched by that kind of love. I've been healed by that kind of love. I have been set free by that kind of love. Nobody's going to tell me any differently. Nobody. Because it doesn't depend on somebody's interpretation of something. It doesn't depend on their knowledge of Greek or Hebrew. It doesn't depend on anything like that. You know what it depends on? Me just being aware. that I'm being loved all the time by Jesus. Me just being aware that He's healed me. Me just being aware that He's delivered me. Me just being aware that He's comforted me. And He's brought peace. And He's brought joy into my life. There's no arguing about that. I'm not going to argue about it. Those are my experiences. You can tell me you haven't had that experience. That's fine. But you're not going to tell me I didn't because I did. And so I encourage you that if you want that kind of a revelation, well, that's where that revelation is found. It's been found in Jesus loving you. It's spontaneous. Alright? Jesus' love for you on a daily basis is spontaneous, it's instinctive, it's reactive. That's what it is. Well, I don't like to think of God that way. Too bad. Too bad. That's too bad that you want to make God into an image of your own choosing. That's how the golden calf got forged, okay? They made up something and that's what they made. There it is. We're going to make him a golden calf. Calves are cute. Kind of harmless, very nice. Let's make that our God. Stupid. Well, what you're talking about is unpredictable. Yes, yeah. What you're talking about, he can do whatever he wants. Absolutely. It's dynamic. Yeah. it, it It's something you can't predict it. Right, right. Because it's living. It's a living relationship. But that's what that love is. That's what love is in every form that it has. It's it's unpredictable and it's spontaneous and it's instinctive and it's reactive in a lot of ways. You say, well, I prefer things to be more in order. Well, that's too bad because that's not how we live. Yeah, I understand. I understand the need for that. I want to feel safe. Well, how much safer are you going to feel than in the bosom of God? Right in the embrace of Jesus. That's where safety is. That's where safety is in, in reality. Think about the leper. How is that leper, how did he live before this moment? Once he got leprosy, what happened with lepers? where did they go? Somewhere, but not with anybody else. The only other people they can live with are other lepers who are other outcasts. So this leper likely, I mean, you think about that. Now, how long had it been? Had he been in isolation? How long had it been since a friend had touched his hand? I mean, I don't know. Probably a long time. And that's something we just take for granted, right? I mean, we we're kind of huggers around here, you know. So we take for granted you know, contact with people. We just do. Yeah, you know, I'm a handshaker, so all through COVID. I was messing up all the time because people would be like, and I'd be like, you know, like we're playing rock, paper, scissors and I'm covering the rock, you know, because I'm trying to grab his hand and shake it because I would mess up because I, I don't think that way. And I got so many years of shaking people's hands, it was like fist bumping somebody. It didn't come naturally. And so if I, if I shook your fist a couple times, sorry. I didn't mean to. It was just what was happening. It's instinctual, but we take for granted touch, and we can't. We can't. And, and I'll tell you when I when I first began to travel, and this was even before I got on the road. I was, i a guy was teaching me a bunch of stuff at the church where I was at. I was an assistant pastor at the church, and and at the end of service or during service, sometimes the pastor would have people come forward, and then I'd go down and pray for people. And one of the things that I that God talked, just spoke to me about and had me doing from the very start was touching people. I don't mean appropriately. I just mean you know just just laying my hands on people, but to be willing to grab somebody's hand or being and not, and not just in the prescribed fashion, because it, you know I, I came out of Pentecostal circles, so there was a way you lay hands on people. And that was the way you do it. It was prescribed. And I just didn't do the prescribed thing all the time. And literally, I would get in trouble with people as I started to travel. And even with the guy that was pastoring in the church I was at, he'd talk to me. He's like, well, you can't really touch people. I'm like, well, I don't know how to pray for people then because I really believe God wants me to do this. He's like, well, you you, you can only do this, this, and this. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. And And so... I remember one time his wife came up for prayer, and you know how, when you go up for prayer, sometimes you avoid some people and kind of gravitate to others. You know what I'm talking about, right? Not to be mean or anything, just try it happens sometimes. You got maybe you come up with a feeling about somebody, right? It's like oh, they got it. All right, I'm gonna go over to them. What? Yeah. So so anyway, so so I was up there, and then his wife walked up. And and I had a word for her, and I had my just the tips of my fingers, and I put the tips of my fingers up here into her jaw because she had pain. She didn't tell me she had pain. I just knew she had pain in her jaw. And I prayed over her uh, that God heal her and all that. It didn't take very long and just prayed that over her. And so after the service, the, the pastor came up to me. He's like, yeah, when I saw you touch my wife like that, I wanted to just punch you in the head. And I'm like, Really? And his wife heard him say that, and, and he, she walked over. She's like, don't say that to him, because I didn't tell him what was wrong with me, and where he touched me was exactly what was happening, and I had immediate relief of pain, and she stood up for it. And he just backed off. But God convinced me early on, and I don't tell that story for any reason other than to say, it doesn't go unchallenged. But God spoke to me early on that we have to be willing to touch people. All right, Whether that's here, abroad, uh, under duress, not under duress, whatever that means, but to be open to what Jesus is telling us to do and be willing to touch people when it's time to touch them. Jesus is willing to touch this guy. It's against the law for him to touch this guy. The law, right? The written law. Moses wrote a law. You can't touch this guy. Jesus touched him. Jesus initiated the contact. Jesus reached out and Jesus touched him. Well, that's probably the first touch that guy had had in a really long time. And you'd be surprised how long it's been since some people have been touched in any meaningful way. People you wouldn't even think of. all right? That you would look at and think, Oh, yeah, they must have people. No, they may not. They may not have people around them. They may not have people that care about them. They may not have people that are willing to reach out a hand and put it onto their hand or their wrist or wherever it would be. They may not. You don't know. And that's why I believe God would be open to that. And so Jesus gives a simple command, right? He just says, be healed. Be healed. And the Bible tells us that Jesus gave a simple command, and what happened? The guy was healed. Yeah. Yeah, the highest, and I guess I want to say this, the highest expression of God's will through our life is a simple command. That is the highest expression of God's will through our lives is a simple command. If that makes sense to you, you're doing pretty good. You're understanding me. So he just gives a simple command: "Be healed, and and you think about before reflection spontaneously reaches out, touches the guy, regardless of legalities, repulsion, all of those things. was he revealing? what did I say from the start? He's revealing what? the heart of God. The heart of God. He pitied that guy for what? To teach us the heart of God. Okay, He had compassion on that guy. Why? To teach us the heart of God. When he cleansed the temple, he responded in anger. Why? What was he teaching us? The heart of God. Right indignant what's he teaching us the heart of god okay you follow what i'm saying so so part of what the teaching is in this isn't just that he healed the leper part of the teaching in this is how he did it and to really look at why and if we can really get a hold of why if we if we can Really get a hold of what it means that he's been touched by the feelings of our infirmities. That's what the Bible says. Well, this is an example of that. Him being touched by the feelings of his infirmities. That's where the pity comes from. That's where the compassion comes from. And he initiates, he touches, he speaks, be healed. Be healed. Touch is a medium and this is the last thing I want to say here. Touch is a medium of the miraculous. Touch is a medium of the miraculous. You think about it being a sense, right? Touch is one of our senses. Uh we we often think about you know mediums of the miraculous well it's the spoken word. Well it is. That's one of the mediums of the miraculous. It is spoken word. Be healed. But another medium of the miraculous through us is touch. And and what was that limited to? Nothing. He put his fingers in a guy's ears, right? He touched, he spit on his finger and put it on a guy's tongue. He spit in the ground, made mud and put it on a guy's eyes for so that he'd be healed, he could see. He lifted people up that were laying down or sitting down so that they would be healed of the fever. So what does that touch look like? Well, I don't know what it looks like. Who's He willing to touch? Well, anybody. You included. And if we have the heart of God which I believe God wants us to have, to really begin to dig in, really begin to experience His heart, really begin to know what that heart is, really begin to allow for that heart to, to flow through us, then we're going to be willing to see that in and through our lives too. And that's going to open up the doors to the miraculous for us. More and more and more. And so some of this has to do with you getting over yourself because you're not that bad. You just think you are. Somebody told you you were. I don't know how it happened. Something happened. But somebody told you you're a horrible person and you just believe them and so you've been living your life as a horrible person. Why would God want to be anywhere near you? Well, why do you want to be anywhere near this guy? I can't answer that. Except for he loves them. And He loves you. He didn't even know this guy. He knows you. He loves you. He wants to be close to you. Why limit? Why pull away? Why run away? Why not just rest into His presence? Why not just rest into Him being with you? Why not just rest into the life that He has for you, why not just rest into the love that He wants to pour into you? Why not just rest into His touch in your life and find healing and wholeness and really get a hold of the heart of God? He initiates. He touches. He heals. You too. You too. So I want you to think about that. I'm going to ask you to respond to it. Um, I I don't know, some of you, you don't really have an issue with this, and so I don't want to belabor the point, but some of you really do have an issue with this. And it's time to stop running, and it's time to stop self-judging, and it's time to stop excluding yourself from God. It's time to stop just excluding yourself from His presence, excluding yourself from His touch, excluding yourself from the miraculous, excluding yourself from His love. His mercy, His grace, it's excluding yourself. It's time to stop. and It's time to accept the fact that He loves you. And He initiates, and He continues to initiate, reaching out to touch you. He wants you to know His heart. So Father, tonight I pray that we would find ourselves in Your presence. Even if we're sitting right here, we're sitting. We're in Your presence. And yeah, I thank you, Jesus, that, that you're reaching out. You're initiating contact with us because you love us. You're initiating contact with us because you're moved with compassion or pity or whatever it is you're moved on for our lives. Some of us are pitiful, and we need your pity, and we appreciate your pity. Some of us, we, we need your compassion, we need your love, and we appreciate your compassion. We appreciate your love. Now, we just want to know your heart. And so I pray, Jesus, that you'd touch us tonight. No matter how we see ourself, I pray that, God, you would touch us tonight. You would touch us and you'd minister to us. I pray, God, that I uh, thank you that that you, it's your will for the miraculous, it's your will for the supernatural, it's your will for healing and wholeness. Thanks. Thanks, Jesus, that you're willing. Thanks, Jesus, that you're reaching out. I pray, God, we just get a hold of your heart tonight. And we learn your love, we learn about your mercy, we learn about your compassion. We learn about your pity. We learn about, God, whatever it is you want to teach us about. We get a better idea of who you are. And we get a better hold of your heart tonight. God, I, I look out in a world that's in need. I look out in a world that is just in so much need of the heart of God. I pray that you'd help us to just be ministers of your heart to a world that is in such need. Ministers of your touch to a world that is in so much need. Lonely people, people by themselves, people afraid of other people, people afraid to care, people afraid to love, people afraid to receive love, people afraid of even being friends. And I pray more of your heart through us. More your love. More your grace. More your mercy. I pray for the miraculous. Miraculous to really touch our relationships with people, to kiss our relationships with people. Miraculous. Supernatural things. Be poured out. Healing. Wholeness. Deliverance. Lies being torn down, uh strongholds being torn down, truth being built up in the people. Let's pray for more. Pray for more. Pray for more. Give you thanks tonight. Give you thanks tonight. So I want you to do something before we leave here. Uh, just reach across the table or the person that's at your table. Just pick a person and just lay hands on them. You guys just touch each other. All right, touch hands, whatever you want to do, but just uh, just touch each other. Pray the love of Jesus to flow tonight pray the supernatural power of Jesus to flow tonight. I pray the miraculous to flow tonight. Because Jesus, I thank You that You're willing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. You know, me and Christ are homies. That's good, he's really cool, you uh-huh. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. Alright. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the Comunidad. Yeah, well, so there's a lot of people. Yeah. Nope. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of City of Syracuse University, UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we we homies. Yeah.